Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome back to Today in Sports Betting. This is Monday, May 25th of the year 2020. And I'm Devin Ellington at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. Like I said, this is a hoop ball gaming presentation, a part of the hoop-ball.com family, hoopball.com. At Hootball Gaming on Twitter, at Hootball Tweets. And normally, like I have uh, mentioned in the past, I would do a MyBookie read right here, but because of COVID-19, we are revisiting things. So I have made that goal of myself to find some charity work or a fundraiser that someone's working on to maybe highlight and present it, have them on and talk about it, try to get some eyes and exposure on it. And also, if the project falls in my local area, I was hoping to maybe get some hands-on stuff as well, see if there's anything I could do to help and relief uh, of what's going on. So, with that being said, today's show is going to be really, really fun. This is a Monday. It's going to get the week started off just right. I'm going to have someone join the show who knows so much about college football. Again, it was someone that Helped get me into sports betting. Her style of writing is uh, fluid and effective. But I'm not going to do a disservice to the things that she offers. Without further ado, I'm just going to get right into it. I'm going to bring Pamela Maldonado on. Pam, thank you again for coming on. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I didn't want to do a disservice to your work, but you are a contributor for OddsShark.com. Yes. You started in the poker arena. Yes, I was there for seven years with PokerNews.com. In Vegas, correct? Correct. Okay. And you also dig heavily into college football. Yes. Born and raised in Texas, so how could you not? (laughs) It's in the bloodlines, that's for sure. In the blood. Um, so you moved from Texas after college to Vegas to do the poker stuff or what, what was the chronological breakdown of that? (laughs) If you look at my resume, you would be like, what is wrong with this person? (laughs) I have kind of done a little bit of everything since like high school. I've started working since I was 15. I initially thought that I was going to go the law school route. Um, I mean, I not initially thought I was on the law school route for half my life. I've interned with senators, with congressmen, with uh, the local, <clears throat> with attorneys, with judges, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I, in my last year, my last semester of college, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and 
broke my parents' heart and uh, got accepted to law school and everything. And I just, I, I said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It's not for me. It's not the path that I see for myself. And I was so young and I was just like, no, nah, <laughs> screw this. <laughs> so then I went into right after college, I actually wanted to do the Peace Corps and I did get accepted into that. I got my assignment. I was supposed to go to Nicaragua and then uh, I actually ended up having a, my last, you get multiple tests, uh, check-ins just to verify that up until the point that you leave, everything is good to go. I even got LASIK so I wouldn't have to worry about glasses or contacts um, while I was on my assignment. And cause it's a two year commitment. Oh my. And, and then on my last, very last, I was supposed to leave in June. No, July. I was supposed to leave in July and my last checkup was in May. So two months before I was told that I had cancer. So oh, that kept me from, of course, going to the Peace Corps. Ended up being false. <laughs> oh, well, it, but that's, um, that's really good that, to hear, though. I mean, it is. Uh, but, I mean, totally offset story. But, I mean, yeah, um, that, that, uh, that medical condition kept me from doing the Peace Corps. So that kind of threw every, all my plans off. Cause I was supposed to be two years of plans <laughs> set up right. and, and then, uh, so I kind of ended up doing other things. I've, I've been in education. I've been in, uh, local, like local developments. And I mean, I've, I've kind of done a lot of things. And then I, my dude was actually a poker player. And after black Friday hit in 2011, uh, he was like, well, Let's go to Vegas. And I was yeah, like, yeah. All, right, all right, let's go. <laughs> and so we both quit our jobs and we moved out there. And my sole goal was to end up with Poker News. And within a couple of months, it happened. So I was very fortunate for how that worked out. And from that poker uh, timeline, is that where you dipped into other sports betting? Is that where you kind of found out about Odd Shark? Or it was Odd Shark a little even more later on? Shark was way later. I okay. moved to Vegas in 2012. Right. And I didn't know about Oddshark or who they were until two th- until 2019, essentially. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> until yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, no, so I started, I was playing poker also because he, I mean, live poker, the best days to go are the weekends, Thursday, mm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're playing at midnight, you're playing 3 a.m. So for me to like kind of hang out with my guy and everything, he had a coach, everything that he learned, he passed down to me. So I wanted to play poker all the time. So I like, I lived poker because I was working for Poker News. I was covering these poker tournaments. I was traveling for these poker tournaments. And then I was playing poker myself. So it was all day, every day poker. And, uh, I mean, uh, my one of my favorite places to play was at the Bellagio, and it's right next to it's kind of according to the sports book. So I've always known about like sports betting, but I myself never really did it. It was just one of those things where the more people you talk to, of course, during the football season, I would end up talking to people about, oh man, you should take this team because or whatever, or like I think Texas and that I never said you should take this team, but I was like, Are you like I think they're gonna win, or I think they're gonna cover, or whatever. I think they're gonna crush them, dominate, whatever it is. I never right. really even followed the lingo, but 
um, they're like, oh, you seem to be really knowledgeable about college football. I was like, no shit. I was born and raised in Texas. <laughs> Texas, you know, Texas girl who kind of knows her thing. It just transitions I, easily. Just transitioned, yeah. And so he was like, well, why don't – and then so people were like, well, why don't you, like, bet on it? And I was like, what is that? And then I went <laughs> up to Bellagio to place my first bet at the Bellagio Sportsbook and then kind of, like, took off from there. And I, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to bet blindly, like – it turned into like a puzzle piece and a, it discovered and it helped me discover a passion for stats and data lines and statistics. Like I never knew even like existed and yeah. it all kind of came from my dude. He was like, well, here's what I think you should do. Here's what I think would be helpful when it comes to sports betting. And so like, he kind of gave me a basis mm. and then I just like transformed it into like my own. And then, whoa, it was yeah. just like, it just became this thing. And like, first I would look at like two stats and then they became like four stats and then it became nine stats. And now I'm just like looking <laughs> yeah. at all the stats <laughs> yeah. and it's this thing. So yeah, I mean, I've been, I probably have been only betting since 2015 mm-hmm. and then like, but I've always just known about college football because like I said, born and raised. Well, you know, that's, um, a little similar to, you know, my situation, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma. I think we talked a little bit off camera about this, which, you know, foreshadowing, we'll talk a little bit about the big, big 12 later on, but the, uh, like I said, you know, we didn't have anything else. It was college football. Uh, we didn't have pro teams until the thunder. So it just kind of, I, I fully understand that passion and wanting to get into it deeper with the numbers. And some of those numbers I've seen you present were some of the, you know, things that kind of, made it to where I wanted to dig into it a little further because I was trying to figure out what you were looking at to try to figure out these numbers, what, you know, data points you were trying to drive home. It's like, I'm happy to talk about this stuff because it's a part of the gambling that I've really clung to the most. And that's just the pure um, analytical side of it, you know, um, in comparison to, you know, just the teams themselves. I mean, the teams are the numbers essentially. so we've talked about Texas a good deal. Um, you've always loved football. You've always had that love of football. It was in the blood. Um, but can you remember that specific moment, Pam, where you realized that you just loved college football? Was it like five, six years old? Were you playing in the backyard with some friends? Like, what, what was it? That I loved college football. I think it was my time at Texas, probably. Ooh. And it was... Like, I've always watched football growing up, but it was more so watching the Cowboys because mm. my dad and my parents, <laughs> yeah. my grandparents, you know, it's just like a Texas tradition that you live by the Cowboys, you die by the Cowboys. Right. Except I never liked the NFL. Like, I never, I shouldn't say I never liked the NFL. I never really paid attention to the NFL because I didn't get anything. Mm. There's like no emotion when I would watch the Cowboys. Right. But I would watch the Longhorns and like, when I found out like, Oh shit, I'm going to go to Texas. Like Mm. it kind of became like a thing. Like I was the first one in my family to go to college. And so it kind of became just like, it was, it was larger than life. That feeling that you get when you step onto that campus. Mm. And then that feeling you get when you walk through the Coliseum and you like, Holy shit, like I'm here, you see the Texas, you see that burnt orange on the field. And it's just, it's like, it's so invigorating. It's just, it's just the fire that runs through your veins all of a sudden. 
and you're just like, you hear that cannon go off, right? Mm. At kickoff, mm. you hear the crowds chant, you're in the student section and it was just an electric moment. And like, I was then hooked on yeah. Texas football. No pun but, intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was just one of those things. And then like, then you start paying attention to, all right, well, who are they playing against? And then and you see all the other teams and you're, you always know about Alabama and of course, OU was the rival. And it was, yeah. just, uh, it was just one of those things that kind of like, just like snowballed into the first step. But like, I always knew football but I didn't know my passion for football until college probably. And right. I was so young. I went to college at 16. So oh, wow. like I had so much time to kind of like yeah. figure it out. And here yeah. I am 33. So I've been, I've been in this deep for years. Yeah. You got a, <laughs> got a little bit of a head start. Uh, well, you know, it's um a little bit different, but I lived in Norman for just a little bit being, and it was so weird being an Oklahoma state fan, but I had to drive past Gaylord Stadium every day um, to get to my job. And so even that, you know, even a, you know, even it's OU, whatever, but like even seeing their stadium, just the historical presence that college football does tend to cast um, in an underrated way. Sometimes a lot of people forget how, how runneth deep college football goes and how historical it is. So, um, Again, we talked about, you know, some of those numbers and stuff that you, you were talking about, you know, those that fourth stat, that five, those five stats and the nine stats that you were looking at. Right. Um, and I've already kind of gushed a little bit about how impressive it is. But how do you how is it you figure that you have that knack for finding the diamonds in the rough type of information uh, through your diligent research? Like w- when did you figure out and piece it together? And you might have touched on it when you were talking about people should tell you we're telling you should bet on it. And but when you saw you had that knack, when you were like, "I'm good at stats," when, when did you realize that? I think probably in two. I think I'm still realizing that. <laughs> <laughs> so 2020. <laughs> I think I'm still realizing that. Like I keep saying, like I've been saying for the last couple of years to, like I just wish that I had discovered this earlier because Mm -hmm. then I could have used this in college like I wish if you could turn back the time I think I definitely would have been maybe good like at statistics I would have been good at like mathematics and I didn't realize any of that until I started studying college football and it's one of those things where you it's just one of those discoveries late in life and you got to do with it what you can and I'm using it towards <laughs> it just happens to be that I'm using it towards best sports betting but yeah. it was one of those things where like so for poker news I was in uh, the marketing sense I was in social media so it was a very also analytics based of trying to figure out who your audience is what platforms are using who is the demographic what is their age so there was just so much information that you had to decipher from to try to figure out how are you going to get more clicks to the site? How are you going to get people to become affiliates? Uh, you're an affiliate. So how are they going to click to these sports books, to these uh, poker rooms? How are they going to click on ads? So it was just a lot of already data in like ingrained into my brain, but it was just a different form. And then I started doing sports betting and I was like, holy shit, like this is very similar. Yeah, you're having yeah. a pool, a number of information, and then figure out how to utilize it. And so it was very, and then it's all, it's all correlated. And then in poker, 
it's like, it's not just like, oh, let me stare into your eyes and see if you're bluffing. Like there is a set number of like stats, especially if you're playing Mm -hmm. online, set number of stats that you can use data points to figure out how you want to proceed with the hand that that you have. And playing live, there's things that you can look at and it's all correlated. Like there's a number, there's a set number of information. How are you going to utilize that to make your next decision? And so it's all intertwined. And I think through working with poker news, using the analytics that I had to, in order to figure out our audience really helped with me understanding that I needed to, that I could decipher a set number of things within sports betting to come up with the best educated guess. And so I would say probably like, yeah, like 2017-ish is when I really like honed down on trying to use statistics. Well, it's definitely translated really well for you. Um, Were you good at numbers and math in high school? Not at all. No? Okay. (laughs) So there's hope for me. That's why I was asking. That's why I was asking because I, uh, for some reason, I, I, I get these numbers. I like these numbers. These are enjoyable geometrical thingies and, and algorithms of the mathematical proportions, not so much. Um, so, okay. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that there is hope for me. Um, so there was some big news in college football. Well, I mean, just college NCAA rulings in general recently with the announcement and the proposal submitted of, you know, return to activities, June one, uh, college football, big 12 specifically June 15th for facilities opening up. But, as of last night, uh, the Georgetown coach, Patrick Ewing, uh, tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Do you think that that changes like the NCAA's standpoint? Do they need to withdraw this proposal or do we get pushed no. further from having sports? No, I don't think anything is going to stop them. Nothing is in their way. Think of for the football bull- especially right now. Think of a bulldozer and they are coming through. Nothing is going to stop them at this point. You're talking yeah. – television deals you are yeah you're talking television deals you're talking I mean there's just so much on the line for football to happen that as of right now what are we in late May there's still so much time left so to figure it out from now until then I definitely don't think that there's going to be anything that stops them I think during the season would have been obviously a different story like if game one all of a sudden you got one player then you got to consider. But then honestly, I'm not even going to be so sure that that's going to stop them. (laughs) They're going to figure out contingency plans. Are they even going to announce it? Are they going to let people know? Are they going to like, I don't think this is going to be like an NBA situation where it was like dead stop games over everything ceases to exist. I think this is going to be like, Oh, well, it's just one player sneak it in under the rug. And then we'll find out later. I don't know. I'm not trying to speculate, but (laughs) I just feel like as of right now, definitely for sure. It's not, nothing is going to stop them. I saw a number that was just really staggering. And this goes back to how deep the college football runs. Um, If all the power five conferences were to lose out on their season, collectively, there would be $40 billion of revenue lost. That's a ginormous number. Um, Really huge. And if you just break that down on, you know, conference levels, that's uh. It's a lot of money. So I think you're right. It, it is a cash cow bulldozer. And it's, um, I've always said it, NCAA is probably the best run business because they don't pay, uh, but probably 10% of their employees and they got a business model for sure. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, um, exactly. 
So you're talented at finding, like I said, the diamond in the rough kind of information, but you, you also um, have a keen eye for, you know, like small schools or some maybe teams or players that play, uh, people should be looking out for. Could you preface maybe uh, a program that you are eyeballing a little bit? Uh, for example, mine is North Texas. I like what they're doing. Uh, Seth Luttrell, they had back-to-back nine-win seasons before last year's falter, um, but they're returning a lot of guys on the D-line and uh, linebacking groups, a lot of upperclassmen littered through there. I really like the returning seniors that they have in the backfield, and then they also got some leadership sprinkled through the O-line. New quarterback, but a kid that's been in the system. Uh, right. so, yeah. Um, I'm going to be looking at Ole Miss, I guess. Mm. Um for sure. I think, I mean, you got Lane Kiffin there added as the coach and Ole Miss is always, always year after year. They can have a terrible losing record. Like, and they're still going to be one of those teams though that comes out and just like is a needle in your ass that you just, it's a thorn in your ass that you can't shake. Right. right. I think now that they have Lane Kiffin, I mean, he has three possibilities of quarterbacks that he wants to go to. So one quarterback is John Rice uh, Plumley, mm. Plumey. How do you say his name? <laughs> he's a John Rice Plumey. There you go. Yes. <laughs> he's a he's a running quarterback. So I mean, he was not very good at the past, but he's damn good on his legs, and he's definitely one of those quarterbacks that can shake, um, move out, shake around. Like he he can get things done on the ground on his feet. And then he has Matt Coral that he can end up playing oh, with yeah, um, yeah. a little bit. He had he's a little bit of a better at the passing game, but I mean, not too impressive. But then there's also that sophomore quarterback, Grant Tisdale. He's a bit of the wild card. I mean, he played one game and that was against Alabama. One game, but it was against like one of the biggest schools in the nation. Yeah. He had only two passing attempts, but he had two passing completions <laughs> and one touchdown. Like in two attempts. How do yeah. you get one touchdown already against one of the big the best teams in the country? So yeah. I think uh if you put him tied in with Lane Kiffin, like potentially there's some magic there that can happen. But of course it's always going to be one of those teams that they're rebuilding they're trying to work around. They're like getting things done. So, I mean, they're going to be interesting for sure, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be too impressive this far out. Maybe in, you know, in year two or year three, right, right. but as far as like season one goes, like I'm ready. I'm, I want to see what they can do. Yeah. Well, I know, Ole Miss and FAU are completely different programs, but you know, look what he did at his brief tenure there. And um, oh no, absolutely! I was excited yeah, he when he got them around from there. a yeah. He turned them around from a three nine record to eleven yeah. and three, like um, and had a and couple four star recruits in there. So and they made their first bowl appearance since two thousand eight. So I mean, yeah. if anyone can do it, it's going to be Lane Kiffin. We'll see what happens, but yeah. there's a shot there. There's a shot there for something to something to brew. Something is brewing. Right. And I'm glad you brought uh, Lane Kiffin up because he was actually a big reasoning of why I, I went with North Texas is just because that vacated coaching uh, skill set, you know, at the top part of the conference. Um, so, um, well, it, it w- we would do a disservice to the Big 12 if we didn't talk about it a little bit. Um, it, it, you know, I'm glad I'm not an OU fan because you probably wouldn't have done this interview with me. Oklahoma State, you can kind of just like, you know, eh, all right, whatever. It's not as big of a deal. But um, other than Texas football, what, what, are you, what are you excited about? Uh, 
in the Big 12, you know, some subsidiary, secondary or tertiary storylines, you know? I am actually excited for Oklahoma State. You have Chubba Hubbard who decided that he was going to skip out on doing the NFL draft for good reason. I think he would have ended up being at the bottom of the totem pole with the amount of players that ended up going. So now he stays an extra year. That's going to help his draft stock. Like now he's potentially going to be higher up in 2021 as opposed to 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the country. And so for him to stay an extra year and to be tied in now with the second year quarterback in Spencer Sanders, I mean, you put that duo together, they could potentially, we could have some trouble in our hands. Mm. I think I'm really looking forward to watching what Oklahoma state can do this season. Um, I am of course always going to be wary of Iowa state. I mean, they went seven and six in 2019 but there are five regular season losses. If you look back, they were by a combined five losses mm. and a combined 21 points. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that just tells you right there that the key, the, the, key, the potential is there for them yes. to like really be crushers. And now can you just like execute? And one of their losses was 23-21 to Texas. Yeah. I mean, so. I, mean, I think we got them by three points as well. So uh, they were driving with the ball at the last part of the game. And so, like talented and, team, yeah, and they have a lot of starters coming back. Yes, uh, key players returning on offense, so they could definitely end up being a Big Twelve threat. So Texas is definitely not leading here by any stretch <laughs> of means, just because you have Oklahoma and they're not going to have um, Jalen Hurts. I mean, that doesn't really mean much. They, you, we know what that team can do. We know what that coach can do. So I mean, there's. I mean, TCU also. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I... I Pretty dark horse-ish this year. And you see it with TCU. It's like every other year thing or every third year where they mm. come out and they get 10 or 11 wins or something. Right. So I, I understand where you're going with that. It's uh, Yeah, and they had so many players that ended up getting drafted as pretty right. top picks in the NFL. So that record didn't really indicate how good of a team they actually were. Right. And so now you give... Uh, I don't know. And then... Yeah, so I'm going to be looking at Oklahoma State, Iowa State as the two contenders and then probably some dark horses. If mm-hmm. seeing what they can get, maybe TCU can get something going. But the ones that I'm not really looking at are going to be Baylor and Oklahoma. I'm just, you know, Matt Rule was such a big part of that Baylor yeah. team. And then trying to figure out how to replace them in your first year, good luck. Right. I think it's going to be a big difference. They lost a head coach and multiple players to the NFL. Uh, so... Baylor's probably going to digress a little bit. Um, I actually, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, I don't think there's going to be success here the first year, but I want to see K-State's new head coach in the transition of uh, the North Dakota State style of play to Kansas State. Because I think if there is a, a good transition, like program to program, I think he, he nailed it. I think it's Kleinman is his uh, last name. But uh, yeah. So, uh, and I wanted to pick your brain on a futures Heisman thing that I was looking at. Okay. I'll, I'll always, you know, take my guys that I think, you know, but then I hedge. Mm-hmm. Last year, my hedge was Joe Burrow. <clears throat> and that, that, that worked out great. So I've got this theory that either Texas or Big 12, obviously, will win the Big 12. Uh, te- oh, you were Texas. And I think it's going to take a very impressive record and very impressive stat sets from the quarterback to do so. And if a little bit of luck goes for either team, then I believe one of those teams could end up with one loss or undefeated playing in the playoff, and then the quarterback could win the Heisman. So those that's Spencer Radler, 
at plus, uh, I want to say 1200. And then Sam Ellinger is at plus 1550. So I've kind of got this futures theory that if I pit those two bets together, um, maybe it works out one way or the other because those quarterbacks are going to be dueling against each other in the conference all year, I think. And plus, it was just a fun narrative I spun in my head to make me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, I've got so – I'm not going to be so uh, on to Spencer just yet. I think it's – I mean, I'm not – it's a freshman. He he has, what, less than a dozen snaps under his name. So Mm -hmm. I'm not at all going to say that he should be having – he should not have (laughs) better odds than Sam Ellinger right now. He should not be ahead of Sam Ellinger on the Heisman list. So, of course, I am going to say yes to your Sam Ellinger option. (laughs) Yes. I mean, if there was ever a shot for Texas to win the Big 12, it would definitely be this year. Um, And with that, of course, comes the potential of playing in the Big 12 into the playoff. But um, no, I'm not at all going to think that OU has a shot this season. Yeah. I think maybe next year for sure, but I think it's too early to say yes to OU coming out on top. They got a lot of of things to prove, that's for sure. so to transition from the big 12 to just like, you know, and we were talking about some futures bets there, but just betting in general, um, you put something really interesting out on Twitter. Uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, but, um, and this is in, uh, just in quote, you know, is the thing about sports betting, you can love your card and be wrong. You can hate your card and be right. Key is to feel neutral. You put in the time and the research and went with it. If it works, cool analyze and learn why it worked if it didn't work cool analyze and learn why it didn't Mm -hmm. now like i've said since i feel you're very skilled with numbers and data um Mm -hmm. i wanted to pick your brain a little bit further on this and see uh kind of what the underlying measures of that that quote was i mean it for me it made total sense it just goes right into betting 101 uh, bankroll management uh discipline so um, I was just kind of curious because I, I saw you tweet that and I really, really liked it. Yeah, it was, uh, it's one of those things. So I've actually been betting for a few seasons now and that's how Oddshark uh, reached out to me is one of their guys was following me on Twitter because I was posting my, I, ha- I have been posting my picks and plays and my reasonings for since 2000, I want to say since 2016. Sure. And so, but the difference then and now was that I never had, I was never with a company. It was always something that I wanted to do as a hobby. So when I'm posting these plays, if you see my record, I was at like 80% back-to-back seasons, but that was because throughout an entire football season, six months of football, I had only bet like 35 total plays. Right. That's it. Right. I was so like reducing my risk by, I'm not firing away on every single thing I am here being so selective and nitpicky on what it is that I'm going to put out there. And so this season though, I got with Odd Shark and I kind of had this, I felt there was no obligation, but I felt like I had this pressure, this obligation to kind of like post daily, post more, post like just up your volume, like whatever. And so it really messed with my mind and I ended up betting like my record was something like a hundred and something to like 80 something. So I still had a winning percentage season, but I mean, look at the volume. It went from a 35 total season to now I have like over 200 bets. Like what the heck? So a lot of that came. So in the beginning I was kind of struggling there for a bit because I was trying to like set my bearings and 
uh, kind of adjust to this new, this adjust to this change of now I'm with a company and now I'm giving it out plays and I'm doing this Friday show of like my best bet. Like there's just a lot of like first time things that happened this season. And so for a while there, I was like, I had to remind myself, like, it's not about, it's not about more volume, more winnings, more like forcing it out there. It's, it literally is about you, yourself and my, like, I, I'm not here to compete with other sports betters. I'm not, I'm here to compete with myself. I want to make sure that what I'm doing, what I'm producing is like the best product that I can give. And so there are times where I really doubted my instinct. I doubted everything that I've been doing for the last few years. Now, all of a sudden it's in jeopardy. I'm like, am I not, am I doing it wrong? I'm seeing what other sports, but like my Twitter account has never, I've never followed sports betters before. Right. So I'm seeing what everybody else is doing and it was messing with my mind. And so now I'm thinking like, I just have so much doubt. And so it was kind of a reminder to myself, like, Hey, like, you know what you're doing, have confidence in yourself. And if it works out, awesome look back study why did it work out and if it doesn't work out study why didn't it work out but it always comes back to yourself you you figure it out what worked for you what didn't work for you what's your most comfortable parts of sports betting that you feel like okay I got this or what are the least comfortable parts of sports betting and figure out okay what do I need to do in order to improve but it was just that thing was just a reminder to myself that I'm not here to compete with anyone else. It's okay, Pam, this is what you, you're doing. Doesn't work. Does it not work? Figure it out and then come back to it the next day and hit it hard. I really like that. You know, it's very cerebral. Um, it's the way I like to approach my betting. Um, and I think that's why it struck the chord with me that it did because it was a mindset that um, I felt was pretty parallel to my own beliefs. So I appreciate you digging into that a little deeper and giving some uh, back context to it because it, I mean, just completely paints the whole picture together and incorporates a different, you know, um, importance of, you know, sports betting, a different avenue that you have to consider. A lot of people get so tied up in sports betting, I think, and what the market looks like and, you know, the numbers, but then they always forget to uh, check the internal market, you know, check your emotions that you're betting with or check the mindset that you're going in with or, you know, some of your external factorizations. So um, again, I think that's why that quote really stuck out to me because it was literally stuff that I could picture in my brain. And I really, really did enjoy that. Um, one thing I've been doing on the back end of these shows with the folks I've had and been so gracious to have on uh, with interviews and such lately is I, and this is just selfish for me personally, I want to kind of hear some of your thoughts or maybe uh, work that you've maybe started collecting some data points on or just, you know, a storyline that you're keeping an eye on that you're really excited about. Um, maybe just like a future peak is, I, I guess, what I'm uh, asking for. Well, this is also another uh, new thing for me is this is going to be my first like preseason considering oh, yeah, uh, yeah. going into the 2020 season. Um, because prior to Odd Shark, I didn't even know I was going to get with Odd Shark. I quit my job in May. And I had zero intention, zero intention of sports betting because I was like, oh, I, I'm going to quit my job. So I'm going to have no income. So I wasn't going to do anything sports betting related at all. 
um, because I had, I was just going to take some time off to myself, figure life out. And then uh, they approached me in August. And then, so here we are. So then now I have never, ever, ever (laughs) started looking football this far out. We're Mm. in May and I have been talking about football. I've been doing recaps and articles, uh, not recaps. I've been doing previews and uh, articles since March. And so I'm just like, this is way too early for me. I'm having to like adjust my brain on doing things. Um, So as of right now, like I'm doing this for like article purposes, but I'm not actually taking any bets on anything. And I won't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really much to taking features bets unless um, it's something that I like really love. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in college football, that's really hard to do, but to find something that far out that you really love. But um, so I'm just going to continue breaking down each conference potentially, and then maybe consider doing some like Heisman stuff. But I think this far out, I, there's, there's just not much, especially now with COVID, like I want, are we, want to make sure we're going to have a college football season but i'm not it's gonna not I'm lowering my way. expectations i'm lowering my expectations also like i'm preparing as much as i can but at the same time like i'm mentally preparing that it's not going to happen and if it doesn't that's okay like pivot to the nfl but i mean this far out i mean yeah i don't i typically don't start getting excited for the college football season until july <laughs> that's yeah, also yeah. because i've always had i worked for poker so mm. we had the world series of poker yeah. every may june july so at the end of the series, at the end of WSOP every summer, that's when I started thinking about football. Yeah. And now I'm doing it way early. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm trying to think of, okay, what is it that I can get excited about this far out? And instead I'm looking to other types of bets, those weird uh, prop plays that you can find on like bet online that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with football. It's talking about the Ozarks or talking about like how many times Trump is going to tweet something or right. doing that type of stuff instead. <laughs> and that's where you found the last dance tweet or the bets, right? Oh like, yeah. I've had yeah. a lot of different types of bets. Uh, yeah. Let me I actually wrote them down. So things that I have bet on with no sports have been the number of times Donald Trump tweets the word coronavirus. This was in the month of March alone. Uh Um, They were doing it during a certain time period. Uh, And related to the Ozark, which is a show on Netflix, will Wendy Bird die? Will the casino get shut down? Um, The world car design of the year. And that was the Mazda 3 ended up winning that. I bet on the Bud stock price that it would be over under $42 during a certain time frame. The one that I have pending right now is will Disney world require face masks to be worn? Um, the last dance. Yeah. The over on how many cigars over three <laughs> on the number of cigars that are going to be shown in episode 10. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is all stuff that I feel that you can actually, I'm sticking to things that I think you can, still study yeah you still find some data some research points to make you feel good about taking a side or you, you knew there was going to be a lot of cigars in that last episode uh absolutely I mean, they anytime <laughs> michael jordan's involved uh, it, I, I swear he goes through probably 10 of those things during an interview he's exactly. always got him lit mm-hmm. um the ozark thing is really fun because i actually uh so i live in kansas city missouri mm-hmm. so it's just like I want to say two and a half hours from the Ozarks. Uh, oh, well. The real Ozarks. You know, they filmed it down in Georgia or whatever. But right. so, I, anywho, I, I like to watch the show because it's a little bit of uh, 
you know, you can tell where they're going with it. Some of the types of people and just characters and stuff and the Kansas city mob they talk about, which is all it's, it's not like your East coast mafioso mob, but it was actually pretty rampant back in the twenties and uh, big swing days. So uh, great show. I enjoyed it. So um, Pam, I, I got to say, thank you one more time. Um, is, is there any last parting words that you could leave with us? Um, you know, obviously we can find your stuff um, on Twitter at Pamela M. Pamela M. Pamela M. And I've got it right here. So it's P-A-M-E-L-A-M 35 yes. on Twitter. And then oddshark.com. Um, those college football articles, once it gets closer to football season, uh, knock on touch wood. Um, <laughs> we'll see those articles popping up left and right. And um, anywhere else that um, our listeners can find your stuff or you putting other stuff out um, that I may have not have highlighted yet. No, it's mostly there. I do have an Instagram account, but I keep that more. So it's like my personal, it's like my personal diary that I kind of right, keep, right. can keep away from sports and sure. just stuff that I'm doing kind of related to fitness. Cause I'm very much into fitness as well. So right, right, right. But other than that, anything football, Twitter and odd shark is a place to go. Awesome. Well, I know the listeners enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely did. Like I said, this was a selfish thing for me. Uh, it was just kind of to, you know, get my fix. Um, having, like I said, having Harry on was really fun. And then just to double dip into the odd shark. Well, um, like I said, off air, it, it was kind of surreal. So I enjoyed it. Pam, thank you again. Um, with this, I'm going to kind of bid us all adieu and wish us all good graces from here on out. And footballers, I will see you on the next one. Y'all take care. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.